Street. Does anybody know where they were at? No? I know exactly where I was at. We, I was serving in a youth ministry in Southern California, and we had taken our youth group to a skate night, kind of like what we just did this past Wednesday night. We had taken them roller skating, Christian night, and as we were leaving the skate night, all eyes were focused on the TV that was in the skating arena, and it was showing the video of the burning compound in Waco, Texas, from the 51-day standoff between the FBI and a group called the Branch Davidians. Now, do you guys know where you're at maybe during that time? Does that ring a bell? So this group had been meeting. They were a, a religious group, if you will, and the government was stepping in. There was this, this siege and this, and this standoff that took place, and finally it ended with everybody that, was, that stayed on the compound dying as the place burnt to the ground. It was led by a guy named David Koresh, and David Koresh was a self-proclaimed Messiah, or, or he, he proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. If you remember in 1997, there was a posh house in the neighborhood of San Diego, California. They were, this group was renting the house for something like 15 or 20, 10, somewhere between 10 and $20,000 a month, and the government went in to find that 39 people had committed suicide at the leadership of a guy named Marshall Applegate, and they were called Heaven's Gate was the name of these people. You, you get the thing, the branch Davidians, David Koresh, Marshall Applegate, the Heaven's Gate. And Marshall Applegate was a self-proclaimed Messiah. He, he had determined through whatever means that he was, he was God. He was Jesus. He, he had returned. And then, and then probably the story that everybody knows about is what took place down in, in South America in November of 1978, where not, over 900 people drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and mass suicide, as well as others that were murdered on, a, on an airstrip, and a senator was murdered, some news people, people were murdered, and there was a guy who was, again, Jim Jones, self-proclaimed Messiah. Now, if I was to ask you this question, who would you say those people were? What would, what would your answer be? Crazy. That's a good one. I have that actually, that's in my script, so I could, I could repeat that. Yeah, you, you might say these people were nuts. These people were devils. These people were deluded. These people were insane. These people were messed up in the head because we see the aftermath of what took place from their, from their claims and the aftermath was death and destruction, right? Do you know there was this guy named Jesus who showed up on the scenes on the face of this earth and guess what he claimed to be? The Messiah. The Messiah. So here, here's what we're going to do. Last week we started this this summer little series called Nuts and Bolts. And the premise of this series is that we would talk about foundational, basic truths of Christianity. That, that we, we would spend this summer just locking down what we believe as followers of Christ. The, the foundational, like these are the main, plain, hard, foundational things about Christianity. And, and, the, and what we talked about last week was that King Solomon had looked at, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he was reflecting on his life, and he came to this conclusion that everything that he tried under the sun, so think of something that you would try on this earth that would bring you joy, that would bring you fulfillment, everything he tried was, was meaningless, the, the word was meaningless. And, and in the end, he concluded that we should, we should what, what, what did he conclude? I need to look at my thing. Keep, fear God, keep his commandments, 
And this is the whole, this is what brings fulfillment to man. And, and, and what we say with that in today's day and age is that we say, we put God in full control of our life. We put God at the center of our life. Um, we were talking yesterday, and, and, and I, I realized that what we were talking about yesterday tied in to this message was that we exist as a church to join in with what God's doing to restore his creation back in relationship with him. If, if, we're, not, if we're not working and, and moving in with what God's doing as a church to see God's creation, us, come back into proper relationship with him, there's no need for us to exist. And that's what we were talking about last week. And in order for that to be the case, God needs to be in the center of our life. And so that's a foundational truth that we, that we say, as a Christian, God should be the center of our life. And then this morning, what I, wanted to, what I want to talk about is, as you can see up there, is who is Jesus. But here's the bigger question that we need to ask. Who would you say Jesus is? Who, who, if, 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 you were, if I asked you, who do you say Jesus is, what would be your answer? And what I want to do is explore that there are three answers that, that need to be tied into our foundation as Christians. Three names that we would give to Jesus. And we just want to explore those. And, and we want to make it clear that these are foundational truths of who Jesus is in, in, our, in our life and, and in, the, in our world. So the, so the first name that we want to talk about is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Like, you know, like dozens and dozens of people in history, you can, you can Google it. There's maybe hundreds of people who have stepped up and said, I am the Messiah. And these are people maybe after Christ who, who their claim is, I'm the returned Messiah. Jesus stepped up and said, I'm, I'm the actual Messiah. And, and in his time, there wasn't a whole lot of people that did that because that meant, that was heresy. That meant death. If you, if you stood up and said, you're the Messiah, you got killed. So, so Jesus, Jesus was one of the first that said, I'm the Messiah. He said it in John 10. He says this, the Father and I are one. When he said this, he's claiming to be God. Now, when somebody claims to be God, that we can, we, there's, there's a, a series of tests that we can run to determine if this person is true or not. And, and, and we've re- the tests have been run with Jesus. The, the, the tests with David Koresh and Marshall Applegate and Jim Jones were run. And in the end, we found that those guys were, were not who they said they were, and there was death and destruction. And if we, we run the tests with Jesus, here's what I believe. I believe we'd come to one of three answers. The first answer we would come to if, if we ran the test was that it just isn't true. He wasn't Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't the Messiah. And, and that he just flat out is a liar. Jesus is a liar. And that, that would be a conclusion that some might come to. The second, the second conclusion you might come to is that it's not true. Jesus is not the Messiah, but he was just a little bit insane, maybe a little bit deluded, maybe had a mixed up head. And then the third conclusion we had come to, which I believe would be the answer, is that he is the Messiah. He is God. And, and, and the way we can do that is we can look at just historical writings. Do you know that there's something like 5,000 writings, Greek writings, that talk about Jesus being the Messiah? Do you know? I mean, so if we, we can look at the Bible, obviously, and we can say, you know, in John 1, 1, God says, in the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we, we can read the Bible and say, the Bible says Jesus is God. But if, you, if you're arguing with somebody who, who doesn't accept the Bible as, as, as being credible, there's, there's 5,000 Greek writings, historical Greek writings, that show that Jesus is God. There's, there's, there's 10,000 writings in Latin 
that show that Jesus was God. There's some 10,000 other writings that show that Jesus was God that not Greek or Latin. Do you know that if you look in history of some of the ancient writings that we just believe in history of people to be true, there's, there's like eight to 10 writings about a lot of prominent people in history that we believe. But we have, we have like some 30,000 writings that we've gathered over the years to prove that Jesus is God. We could look at the character of Jesus. We could, look, we could say, who was Jesus? What did he do when he was here with us? What, what was the outcome of what he did? How did he act? How did he re- re- respond in this world? And we'll find that Jesus had compassion on people. We'll find that Jesus healed people. We'll find that Jesus lived a perfect life. And these were all requirements of being a God. Time Magazine, even the secular world, recognizes God or Jesus as somebody who was something special. This is what Time Magazine once wrote about Jesus. It says, Jesus was the symbol of purity, selfishness, and love in all the history of humanity. So even, even the world recognizes that this Jesus brought something, something to the table. But for us, we look at it and we say, Jesus is God. We can look at the prophecies fulfilled. You know, there's some 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Here's, a, here's what a prophecy is. A prophecy is a foretold about the future, about somebody or, or an event. It's, it's saying, hey, in the, in the future, there's going to be this situation. And so God prophesied through his, through his prophets and in his word about the coming Messiah. And there were some 300 prophecies about Jesus. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus fulfilled them. And, and one day he fulfilled 29 prophecies. And some of the prophecies, you might argue, well, maybe he knew, he knew the scriptures, he was Jewish, and so maybe he walked around and, and completed the prophecies in order to fool everybody. But, but one of the prophecies was where he would be born how he'd be born. He kind of got a little bit of the cart before the horse if he was going to show up on the scene and claim to be, and, and then, because we know how he was born, and he had no control over that. Some of the prophecies were how he would be killed, how he had raised from the dead, and that's the third way that we can look at Jesus and say we know he's God, is he defeated death. He, he was, he's the only person in history that, I'm trying to say, I was trying to figure out how to, how to explain this, but he self-arose, he, he came out of, out of the grave on his own. You know, we, we know that Jesus rose people from the dead. We can read that. We know that in history, through the course of history, there's people that have medically proven that they were dead and they were alive. And, and God raised them through people praying, through, through stuff happening. Jesus is the only one that came out of the grave on his own because he was God. Because he had defeated death. Death could not hold him down. And, the, and this is how we know that Jesus is, is God. There came a point where Jesus gathered his disciples and he asked them, he said, he said, he said this in Matthew, he said, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who, what, are, what are people telling about, saying about me? What, what's the word on the street? And they replied to him, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus asked them because they had spent intimate time with them, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter answered, and this is what Peter says, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Peter said, you are God. You are the one. And this is where we discover the foundation, foundational truth of Jesus, that Jesus is God. We can look at all religions. All religions in this world recognize some sort of a supreme being, a higher power, an, an entity, if you will. Many religions in this world recognize Jesus as being something of a prominent person in our history. Many of them will recognize Jesus as being, he was a great teacher. He was, he was a, a prophet. Some would say he's just, he was a godly, moral man that did great things. 
But for Christians, here's what we recognize as a foundation in our, in our belief system, that Jesus is God who came down from heaven. He was born in human form. He lived a perfect life. And then out of pure love for his creation, he chose to die on a cross for the sins of mankind and only to defeat death and walk out of the tomb three days later. And it's through this that we believe and we have our relationship with God restored and we have eternal life. And this is the foundation of Christianity and it makes it different than other religions because we say Jesus is God. So let's consider this big question. Who do you say Jesus is? If I walk up to you on the street with a microphone and I'm taking a poll and I say, who do you say, who, who do you say Jesus is? Would you say he was a great guy? He did some good stuff. He healed people. He loved people. Or would your answer be, Jesus is Lord? Back to John 10, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. And then it says, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? And they replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You are a mere man claiming to be God. So what would your response be? Would you say, Jesus was a mere man that did great things and, and helped people? Or would your response be what the disciples were? The, the, the response of, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. So that's, that's one of the names. That's one of the foundational truths of who Jesus is. That we, need to, we just need to hold, hold strong in our belief system. Another name that we can look at is that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. You, you remember the story where, uh, this, I, I bring this up a lot because it's probably my f- most favorite story in the Bible. Jesus meets this woman at the well. There's so much going on in this story. But Jesus meets this woman at the well, has a conversation one-on-one with her. At the end of the conversation, she believes. She knows you are the Messiah. And this woman goes running back into town and starts telling everybody about what she, the experience she just had with God. And the people, the townspeople, go to Jesus and said, will you come and hang out with us for a couple days? And so he does. And they experience the Messiah the way this woman at the well had just experienced. And, and at the end of the time when Jesus was with them in John 4, this is what the people said. It said, now we believe, not just because you told us. Now they're speaking to the woman. Now we believe, not because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that indeed the Savior, he is the Savior of the world. So Jesus is our Savior. Do you call Jesus your Savior? It's, it's, maybe it's easy for us to intellectually come to this idea. Yeah, Jesus is God. I, I, I just buy into that. I, I believe that. But then you have to come to a place of recognizing that, that you need a Savior and that Jesus is the provision that God gives for the sins of the world. This means that you come to a place of understanding that there's separation between you and God because of sin in our lives. And through that understanding, you recognize that Jesus died for you and that you have received, received him as your Savior. And this is what makes you a Christian. You know, if you come in here and sit and worship week after week and follow all the rules that we, we tend to want to put up, that doesn't make you a Christian. I think Billy Sunday once said, you're, you're no more a Christian coming to church than you are a car standing in your garage. I could, I could want to be a car and go stand in my garage all day long. Guess what? not going to be a car. You could come in here and you're not going to be a Christian just because you come to church. So don't be fooled by that. You, 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 you're not a Christian because you live in America. We're, that doesn't make you a Christian. You're a Christian because you come to a place where you recognize your need for a Savior. 
you recognize that Jesus is your Savior, and you receive. So do you say that? Do you say, Jesus is God, and Jesus is my Savior? Is this this the name that you call Jesus? This is a foundational truth. And then here's the last. The last is Jesus is Lord. Paul, this is what Paul said in Philippians. He said, therefore God elevated him to a place of higher on, highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, I read that and here's what I, here's what I read. Everybody's going to say Jesus is Lord. There's going to come a point where everybody... Is it going to be too late for some? Maybe. But the, the fact is, everybody's going to come to a place that says, Jesus is Lord. And Paul got this. Paul, Paul, we talked about this a month or so ago. Paul, on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus. And his life has changed. The man who was out to kill Christianity and do away with it off the face of this earth. And he meets Jesus and he's now saying, he is the Lord. He is Lord. And here's what we're saying when we talk about Lord. Because we could say, God, Jesus, you are God. And you are my Savior. But here's where the tension comes in. Because when we talk about Jesus being Lord, we're talking about lordship in our life. We're talking about submission. We're talking about turning over or yielding ourselves to God. And this can be tough for us because we like to do what we want to do. We're happy with having salvation and knowing, hey, if while I'm doing what I'm going to do, I die, I'm going to heaven. We're happy with that theology. But we've skipped that part of saying, no, you're also my Lord. I think in America, sometimes we miss this because we don't understand kingship and, and, and royalty in this way. But, but being the Lord says, you, I, you are in control. I have submitted myself to you. It's saying, I'm a coin that you put in your pocket and you use however you want. I'm, I'm yours to use. That's what, that's what saying Jesus is my Lord. Here's what Paul wrote in, in Thessalonians. May the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Here's here's all I want to point out in this verse. Paul recognizes that we're, as, as human beings, we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And when we talk about God being our Lord, it's, it's allowing God to be the Lord of our life in everything, every part, 100% of who we are. So our body is kind of our, our outward our outward appearance, our, our outward nature, if you will. It's what, it's what people see when we come into contact with. So, so here's the question. When people see you and people ex- encounter you, do they see that Jesus is the Lord of your life by what comes out of your mouth? By what comes out of your mouth, how, what, the, the words you speak, do people recognize Jesus is that guy's Lord? Or, do, or, or, or is it confusing for people? Does your life actions reflect that you have yielded yourself to God? Does, does, does what you do, how you carry yourself, your demeanor, your outward physical carrying, say, that guy, that guy's given himself to Jesus. That, Jesus is that guy's Lord. Our soul and our spirit is our inner nature. It, it includes our mind. It includes how we think how, and our decisions that we make, how we process things. It includes our will. 
It includes like what we want, how we choose, and, and our emotions, how we, how we react and, and deal with life situations. How we respond to life. Does your mind, the decisions you make, reflect that Jesus is your Lord? Think about it. Because, because these are things that you have to be honest with yourself about. These are things that, especially when it's your inner, God knows, God knows what you're dealing with. We can lie to everybody else. Does, but does how you, how you process, how you make decisions, how, how, you, how you emote, does it reflect that, God, you're in control? You're the Lord of my life. It's you who are guiding me. Does your choices you make, your dreams, or your plans reflect that you are the Lord of your life? You can look at your bank account and, and see where you've spent money, how you've spent money. You can look at your, last, your calendar this past week and see what, what choices you've made, you've done. You can look at your Facebook posts or your, or your Instagram and see what, what's important in your life. Does that reflect that you're, you're the Lord, you're in control, or, or, or through, through, through what's happening inside, does it reflect that, that the Lord is in control, that Jesus is, is the Lord of your life? So here's, here's how it ties back to last week. God wants to be in the center of our life. God wants restoration with us. He wants relationship with us. He want, he's restoring his creation back to him. He sent Jesus in order to do that. Jesus is the ticket, the key to that restoration. And so when we come to Jesus as a foundational truth in our life and we say, you are God, you've come to meet with us and, to, and bring restoration, we're saying you are God. When we receive him and say, you are our savior, you're my savior, you, you, you died on the cross and, you, and you're done away with the sins that, that allow me to come back into, into relationship with you, you're saying you're our savior. And when we walk in this world, listening to God, letting God be in the center of our life, and, and we, we're, we're yielding to him, we're telling, we're telling Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Lord. So next week, why don't you stand with me? Next week, here's what we're going to do for the foundation. We're going to, we're going to take one step more, and, and we're going to ask, who do you say the Holy Spirit is? What is this Holy Spirit thing? Because I think it's going to be fun. That's why we're going to talk about it. So, so here's what we want to do. Like Mara talked about with ministry time, we want, to, we want to pray for people. We want to encourage people, and some of us need prayer and encouragement. And so we want to, we want to open up that time. So, so the, the worship team is going to lead us in one more song. When the song's finishing... If you need prayer, come on up. Okay, could you do this with me? Just as, as a posture of, of, of saying, Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you're my Savior. Jesus, you're my Lord. Would you open your hands, and I'm going to pray. And, and here's what I want to invite. I want to invite that if you're sitting in here, and you have not made Jesus your Savior, I want to say that today's your day to make Jesus your Savior. Today's your day to to to. Even if you have no clue what this means, start a conversation with somebody up front saying, what does this mean for Jesus to be my Savior? And I want to pray that you would, you would have the boldness to step out and come forward and let somebody talk to you. Let somebody just say, this is what it means for Jesus to be your Savior. If you've not made Jesus your Lord, and, and this, is, this is a reflection I think we all need to make, is Jesus really my Lord? Do I make decisions? Do I reflect that he is in control, that I've yielded to him? If, if you need some prayer and you want to pray about that, I want to invite you to come up. So if you'll open your hands up, and, and what we'll do is we'll pray, and then we'll finish with some great worship and, and some prayer time. So, so God, just, just in a posture right now of, of submitting to you, 
we've, our hands are open, and God, we say you, you are, you are Lord. God, thank you that you're our Savior. Thank you that you've, you've created a way, a path for our relationships to be restored with you. God, and we recognize that that's your heart. That's what this is all about, is that, that we come back into relationship with, with you as our creator. So, Lord, would you right now be just speaking to, to anybody in this room who hasn't taken certain steps of making you Savior or making you Lord? God, would, would you just bring conviction? Would you bring encouragement to step out? Encouragement to know that this is, this is your will in their life. God, our promise is that we'd love on people. Our promise is we will listen to your guidance in this and, and we will follow what you're, what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for, for being our God and for, and for providing, providing that freedom that we have in you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.